What is digital transformation? Well, instead of giving you a dull dictionary definition, we're going to actually talk about use cases today and practical manifestations of what that looks like. So we've got one of the top brass from Edelman globally with us today, and he's going to be talking about the good examples he's seen from the CMOs he talks to when he travels the world. Welcome to episode 22 of Sideload. Welcome to Sideload, the technology podcast from Edelman, London. I'm Jermaine Dallas, and today we're talking about digital transformation. Uh, we all seem to be talking about it these days, but what does it actually mean for a company looking to remain relevant? Uh, and, and do we need to be appointed digital transformation officers here, there and everywhere? Well, we decided against shooting from the hip here. And in fact, we've got one of the top members of the global leadership team with us here at Edelman in the studio. Uh, Matt Harrington is our global chief operating officer. Uh, he's based in New York, but couldn't resist the prospect of being on such a prestigious podcast. So he's here with us in our London studio. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Jermaine. I'm thrilled to be part of the uh, sideload uh, guest community. Great. <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> so, so Matt, um, I know you speak to a lot of CMOs about their challenges. Uh, what are the key concerns um, that they share about the way that technology is transforming the way that they work? Yeah, so it's uh, a really interesting question. I think at the end of the day, CMOs are all aligned. How do they attract and keep their customers? And the big disintermediary in all of that is technology. Uh, reality is that technology enables all of us to do and execute what we need in our lives without having to engage with a person, a brand, or a company necessarily in the ways that we've, it's traditionally been done. Mm -hmm. So for CMOs, I think they're wrestling with how do they deal with this new technology reality mm -hmm. and how in optimally do they co-opt technology in service of their brands uh, and I think that's the big battle they're wrestling with right now the you know Alexa is here um, at least in the English-speaking world and the CMOs that I've spoken to over the last six months are all um, equal parts terrified and committed to figuring out how to make Alexa a partner and a force for good as opposed to something that is disintermediating the brand's relationship with customers. And that's a tricky one. I imagine it is because when you talk about Alexa and, and all the compact, we're going to be setting off a lot of people's devices when they listen back to this episode, aren't they? And when you talk about all those sorts of gadgets, it's a whole new way of interfacing using voice that we haven't really thought of before. So it's going to have to reinvent everything, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the CMIs, CMOs I speak to, they're just sort of frankly waking up to this in, in this new this reality um, and it's caught some of them by surprise and I think now the conversation is moving on to very much about all right so what is the implication of AI or if I'm a marketer in the automotive space what is the implication of the autonomous vehicle which may not be a reality today or next year but probably is a reality several years out. And just, you know, how do I go about building relationship and a sticky relationship with my consumer? Sure. So what are, you mentioned um, voice and um, even self-driving cars and everything there, but what are the more, more progressive companies doing right now to meet these, these challenges that they're facing? Uh, particularly, I'm talking clients here or other 
big companies in the marketing and, and comm space? So, well, I think, you know, the s- smart marketers are experimenting. Uh, They're trying to think through and work with the variety of technology platforms that are out there and emerging technologies and and placing lots of little bets to to learn. Uh, I think that's one of the benefits of living in the data age that we're living in. You can actually, you know, look at performance against engagement with digital technologies and technologies in general. Um, I think some of the work that we've been doing that's really fascinating uh, from an Edelman perspective on behalf of clients has been you know, working with a technology company that is dealing with the, the talent wars, um, where just, you know, you can't, for love or money, find the number of programmers that one needs and doing some digital recruiting and really, you know, leveraging what, how we know how to connect with targets um, and with various, you know, sort of constituencies and communities and do it in a t- digital way um, that really creates opportunity and conversation. I think that's that's been performing quite well. Um, and you mentioned transformation at the top of the, the conversation. And I think as well, helping companies think through, you know, how are they transforming their own digital operations and or technology operations to be more forward-facing, future-proofed, um, or future-facing is, is something that we're doing a great deal of because marketers in some respects are working with maybe digital operations that were fit for purpose for 2010. Sure. And it's a whole nother world now. Sure. You mentioned digital recruiting what does that mean in 2018? Because I know a few years ago it meant putting your CV on monster.com. I'm sure it means a lot more than that now. It does. I think it's being more thoughtful about where is the audience that you want to be reaching. Um, and it, and it's a beautiful mix of digital engagement. So not just the LinkedIn digital world, but where are programmers inclined to be in their off hours and, and finding yourself and creating a moment with con- creative content to service something up about a corporate message that's not corporate by nature, but actually is something compelling and, and intriguing. And then there's the terrestrial part of it as well, um, which is actually how do you create experience um, for candidates in a unexpected way in an unexpected place. Um, So you might find your target recruitment population is with another company Mm -hmm. and you go where they are um, and do some things that are disruptive, maybe ambush marketing like. Sure, sure. So I'm one of the um, technology specialists here in London and there's, there's quite a few of us and we are using this phrase digital transformation a lot. And, uh, but what is Edelman itself doing in this area to, to help shape its own future? So hopefully taking a, a page from the playbook that our clients are, which is experimenting um, and experimenting through what we build for ourselves as well as partners. Um, because I think, you know, it, it's a fool's errand to think that one can build it all. Um, and there's a lot of smart people out in the marketplace that are experimenting with all sorts of different digital technologies. Uh, but I, I love what you're doing here in London, what our teams in New York and elsewhere do in the creative technology space. You know, thinking about how do we engage with, you know, retina recognition uh, or, you know, various creative technology platforms that may or may not be AI informed uh, that enable us to pop up stand at a a conference to uh, draw in individuals uh, and uh, create some sort of experience that's uh, compelling. And what drives the decisions that 
we're making as a company to and by that i mean how do we avoid just doing technology for the sake of it how do we do meaningful stuff yeah it's so great just just because you could doesn't mean you should um is a mantra that i try to stick to when thinking about strategy mm. um at the end of the day uh it's got to be what is in service of our clients and helping them solve their problems um, and it's, you know, both the business problem, the challenge of connecting to that target stakeholder, customer, client, whatever, um, and what can we do to deliver for them? Uh, so I'm all down for investment and experimentation as long as it ultimately is in the service of solving a client problem. Sure, sure. Um, we're going to talk a bit about best practice from all over the world shortly. But first, let's take a quick listen back to the last episode of Sideload, where we talked all about employee engagement. You go to forums and there are so many options, so many shiny new toys that, you know, look like, wow, I've got to have that. Mm. It's like going to a new a, a car showroom. But critical to note, and this is a slightly different point, is that technology is there now to help us, but it cannot replace managers who take the time, as they always have had to do, to show they care about their employees, that they inspire them, they develop them, and they ensure that they know what they can do specifically to help the company achieve their objectives. So there's a lot of talk about the future of work, hmm. uh, a lot of talk. Uh, I would just say that the future of work will feature artificial intelligence to an ever-increasing degree. But with that, there will be an even higher priority on basic human qualities, like sensing the thoughts and feelings of others, like working productively in teams, like building relationships, and expressing ourselves. All of those things, while they're important today, will become even more important, I believe, as artificial intelligence takes on board. You're listening to Sideload, and today we're breaking down digital transformation as reality, not just a pie-in-the-sky concept. We're still here with our global, well, Edelman's global COO, Matt Harrington. So, Matt, um, in your view, are there any technologies in particular that we should be paying particular attention to, and how should companies be using these technologies? Yeah, so, you know, technology is a very broad term because it can, you know, be everything from mobile on through to uh, the automated assistant, digital assistants, et cetera. Uh, I think we need to be doing a better job of understanding the implications of artificial intelligence, uh, the ways in which that will inform our clients' customer service operations uh, and, and their transformation from a digital arena in that perspective. Um, I also think, you know, mobile continues to evolve. Uh, and as much as we've all been living at least for a decade with these, the world of smartphones, I, you know, when I go out and talk to technologists, when I talk with clients in the mobile space, um, there's often a sense of we've seen nothing yet, um, which is a little intimidating given the implication of what we've already experienced. Um, but I think that watching and paying close attention to some of the emerging technologies is going to be incredibly important to try to forecast where our future is going. Sure. And with with mobile, you mentioned there, when you say that there's a lot more that we could do with that, 
what what are those things? Is that, I, I know there's a lot of talk about 5G, speeding things up and offering more in terms of connectivity. Um, what what do you see coming down the, down the path and could it benefit us as a business or our, our clients? Yeah, I think you know 5G is certainly the source or at least the font of a lot of conversation at the moment, particularly as it relates to what might that enable mobile to do next. And I think a lot of what I hear is around predictive behavior uh, and anticipating what the owner of the mobile phone is wanting or needing to do in a given day and figuring out if via apps and platforms, the phone can get much of that done for you. Um, so there's, you know, taking the digital assistant and powering at a 5G level. Mm, sure, sure. Um, now, in your role as the global COO, I imagine you go to um, offices all over the place and, and companies all over the world. So can you share some examples of work you're particularly proud of that others can learn from? Well, that's the old adage of, you know, name your favorite child. Um, so it's a, it's a game I don't want to play. Um, <laughs> but I will say, you know, what the common element of some of the great work that I see around the globe, um, whether it's from Asia or Latin America, et cetera, is the degree to which our teams recognize in technology the opportunity to um, be creative and clever in telling our client stories. And it doesn't require doing that for a company that's in the technology space. It can be, you know, a classic um, consumer product brand, um, but creating a bot or creating, you know, some form of uh, leveraging of mobile technology in, in uh the interest of the client's uh, business challenge and their desire to connect with a new consumer. So I think that there's and there's fantastic work getting done. I think what I've often recognized is, you know, whether it's our work out of India or China or other some some markets that are in the developing world, their engagement with smartphones and the mobile world is so much more intense than what we experience in the U.S frankly, that their thought process is a couple of steps ahead in terms of how to work for brands mm. um, and make technology work for the brand. Uh, and so we've, I've just seen some phenomenal programs out of uh, India and China in particular um, that I feel is next gen. Sure. And some people hate this whole phrase, but um, in a way it is true, I suppose, that every every technology is a every company is a technology company in that even if they aren't a traditionally tech company now they are using technology even if it's not in, within their own four walls it's the way that they approach comms or the way that we approach comms on their behalf so technology is doing a lot of things for our clients now isn't it yeah i mean it's from a positive or constructive perspective, every, there's no part of the sector that's, uh, of the economy that's not touched by technology. Uh, but it's also on the sort of protect side of things. When you think about GDPR, uh, I think initially a lot of folks sort of said, yeah, that's not for me. I'm not going to need to engage. And then all of a sudden, everyone, including the uh, liberal arts college I, on the board of in, in Ohio, recognizes they accept applications from uh, members of the EU community for to go to college. They accept applications for faculty from uh, you know fa EU uh, members. In which case, they've got to now be compliant with that regulation. So technology permeates everything and every entity um, and every business. And that's 
that I think is a reality. I think you know, a couple of years back, financial services was doing many financial services companies were trying to do the pivot for the valuation of being a technology company. I think there's a little bit of pivoting back to your point. Everybody's a technology company, so how are you using technology um, to really drive benefit, drive revenue? Sure, sure. Um, and I want to ask you about your personal relationship with, with, with technology. How how much do you rely on technology on the day to day? And what's your what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite gadget or favorite app? So um, in my family, I'm known as Uncle Gadget, um, which either speaks to the fact that my siblings are Luddites, um, but I'd like to believe it's because I'm an early adopter. Uh, I experiment Let's with, with different. Latter. Let's go with the latter. So I, I um, you know play with Alexa. I'm really intrigued with that as a platform. I'm in the process of converting a 90-year-old home into being a smartphone, or smart home rather, um, which is not without its challenges um, because of just the infrastructure of the house, but I'm making good progress on that. And it's kind of a fun personal project. Uh, You know, from the app perspective, um, I'm intrigued with some of the new delivery apps uh, that are connecting with Uber and Lyft and the like, just because I think their business models are interesting. Whether there is a business model or not is also of interest. Um, Media apps are probably the thing with with whom I most engage. Uh, And I'm old school enough to have a number of papers thrown down my driver every morning, but I'm also deeply engaged in their digital platforms of the same publications, and I find it fascinating. There may be a paper or a study in there someday about the different experience, at least at the end of the print legacy era, of these the two forms of how the FT shows up online versus in, in the print form. Which do you prefer? The FT on print or the new school app version? Print. I'm still, I still believe deeply in the benefit of an editor having decided what's on the front page, um, where I think the front page of the FT's website is it's equal parts selection by an editor and running of an algorithm. Sure. Um, and I want to continuously be exposed to news that somebody who's an authority has decided I need to be aware of and knowledgeable about. Um, as opposed to me going hunting and searching and or bypassing things that otherwise I might miss. Sure, absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Sideload and thank you for listening. So um, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and if you want to get in touch, give us a shout, send us an email on sideload at edelman.com. See you next time.